Hello, welcome to episode 886 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, January 26th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning to you. How are you doing, my friend? I am well. I'm well. Um, we're moving through the off-season here. I cannot believe that it's already late January. Baseball really is going to be back before we know it at this point. Um, you know, there's a few few things still to be sorted out uh, with regards to, you know, the league rules and what have you. We learned that the Players Association turned down the proposal for the DH and expanded playoffs. Uh, it's not over yet, but that's not very good. And, what, what do you uh, think the percentage chance that we don't have uh, expanded playoffs are? Or, sorry, or, or sorry, a DH and expanded playoffs. Yeah, 30%. Yeah, I, I don't even know if I'm that high. Pretty, like a pretty decent chance. I'm interested. But, the Players Union hasn't commented on it yet. Yeah, they didn't say, you know, what what made them yeah. turn it down. Because we like, were kind of we, surprised. I don't know if it was like, hey, they offered us a crappy cut um, yeah. of the playoffs. Or like they wanted us to give... Uh, each player's firstborn child over. Because, uh, I mean, you assume if they just said outright no that it was a shitty offer, right? You'd think. But the fact that they haven't said, hey, this is a shitty offer, makes me a little skeptical. Maybe there was to be no discussion about it in the media. I don't know. Well, but I, I mean, know. the players or the the owners. I mean, they said, like, "You guys aren't allowed to discuss in the media. We're fine. We can, yeah, we can do what we want." Um, I don't know. I I feel I still feel like the DH is going to happen, and so people who are starting to freak out uh, about the DH potentially not being in the National League, uh, I, I would slow your roll. If we get to actual spring training games and there's no DH, then I'm going to freak out. But I'm still operating under the assumption that there will be the DH in the National League. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that tracks with, with where I'm at, too. Um, and if it creates some, some bargains on some of the UT-only folks, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on that. Concerned about their, their markets and, you know, where's Nelson Cruz going to go? And he's still going to land on a team. So if you want to push him down because... They think only half the league can get them. I'll be there to scoop them up. I won't. Uh, I won't be there to scoop them up just yet, though. I ju- we're just finishing a draft champions that we were both part of, and you're already starting another one. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're an insane person. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's an issue. I'm. I, I need help. So some. You ever? Some... Uh, <laughs> you, you ever take a player? You ever take a player specifically because somebody else did? Um, I mean, there are, like, some guys who, like, uh, like, late in a, like, a 50-round draft and hold where maybe I'm not sold on that, uh, that smart people in the industry that I trust have, like, you know, really talked up where I go, all right, I'll I'll take the shot. I mean, I I was talking about this on Sunday, uh, when we had Michael Simeone on, like, I knew he's a big, uh... Uh, Lorenzen fan. I want to call him Jared or Lorenzen. Uh, <laughs> the quarterback. <laughs> the 300-pound quarterback. No, uh, Michael Lorenzen, uh, he was going to be on the pod the next day. It was the 28th round, and I went, hey, you know what? At this point, past pick 400 or wherever it is, I'll, I'll, I'll take the gamble, and at least it gives me some fodder to talk about. But, yeah, I mean, every once in a while, there'll be a guy that... Uh, what about a player that you actually did, didn't know? Um, no. I mean, if I, if I didn't know him, then I would look him up before uh, I what would draft What if you didn't him. even do that? Oh, God, who did you draft? <laughs> Is this, I mean, let, let me guess. Let me, or let me look at your team and, and see if I can figure it out. Because um, I'm assuming this, this means you did this uh, somewhat recently <laughs> in our draft. And you're all like... I don't know who this guy is, but someone talked about him. Uh, hey, baby, 
I am a roto gut simp, dude. Let's see. Uh, it Chase McCormick. You don't know Chaz McCormick. Or Chaz McCormick. It sure is. Who the ever living hell is that guy? I don't know, but you know what? Vlad took him in his dress, so I took him. That's funny. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm a roto gut simp, dude. I mean, he was, I think before the Michael Brantley signing, he was projected to be playing, like, in the, in their starting lineup. Well, he took him yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're uh, getting him at 42, and I took him at 40. I don't I know that I had to take him a little earlier, he... you know. roto gut put it out there. I had to take him a little earlier. I mean, here's the thing. Like, McCormick's one of those guys where I think he could be maybe... Not even a real player. 15-15, but he could also, like, only play, like, only have 150 plate appearances, so... You could also do your taxes. Yeah. Yeah, Chaz sounds like a guy who would do your taxes. Have you... No, click the... Click the... Click the tweet I sent you in Chat real quick. Oh, oh. Let's get a live reaction to this uh, profile pic. That was the ding, because I, I forgot to close out my... My G chat. If I don't know if people heard that or not, so let's see. Um, my forty-second round is the true definition of five-tool player. Hits for power, average speed, good defender, and files my tax return. <laughs> that picture. Is... It's so good, dude. It's so good. He it's he so... he honestly looks like he could like be like the next Clark Kent. In Absolutely. Superman, like you know, and maybe that's what Vlad is expecting. Maybe he's expecting Charles McCormick. Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna get Superman. Like when he comes on the field, he takes the glasses off and opens up his shirt, and there's a big uh, M for McCormick or MC. <laughs> yeah, the Chaz McCormick cinematic universe begins now. Is this is this the new version of Whit Merrifield? Because remember that was the joke. When Whit, like Whit Merrifield is like the whitest name ever, uh, as McCormick with combined with the picture, mm-hmm. could could be, yeah, could be that that next that next maneuver. I don't know, you know. Like I said, I'm not certain that it's a real player. It's probably he was not. In, he was in the player pool, and if Vlad took good enough for Vlad. You damn well better believe he's good enough for me. I know you're not. I mean, I know you play fantasy football, but you're not like uh, an analyst in the industry. So you, I don't know that you've ever played in uh, uh, in like the Scott Fishbowl. So uh, in the Scott, they they play on um, MFL uh, um, or my fantasy league uh, for that, which I, I I do not like as a site in general. But uh, one of the things in their player pool, they have like former like retired like players like Barry Sanders and stuff <laughs> just just for fun and then every once in a while they'll have just uh they'll have made up players and it's often like like guys for mo- for movies so like they had Booby Miles one year <laughs> um, okay that's pretty they good. had Scott like Fish himself as a quarterback last year I drafted really him with fun. my last pick um, I love it so th- this feels like you know um or or when you play over. a video game like yeah. in your you're in the twentieth season, they just start throwing random names and Chaz McCormick feels like a random name from a video game. Absolutely does. Um or, or you know, one of the game developers. It's mm-hmm. it's it's in that realm for sure, but you know what? Looks like you can get some playing time. Um obviously like you said, the uh, the Michael Brantley deal kinda kinda puts him on the back burner there, although, you know, Miles Straw's still holding the spot right now. Yeah, but I mean I could totally see them go and be on like Jackie Bradley Jr. He's a perfect fit for them. Or they, or they even like an Eddie Rosario them. or something like that. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll still probably get somebody. I doubt I doubt Straw or McCormick starts for them. But you know what? I'm pick I picked him. Thanks, Vlad. Appreciate you. All right. Let's talk a little bit of other stuff here. We got a couple quick moves. And then we're going to get into the next 10 starting pitchers. On Thursday, Nicholas Pollock will be joining us. Never heard of him. uh, Well, new player. uh, Chaz McCormick's stepbrother will be here. And he'll be talking. We'll be talking a little bit more of the the mid-tier pitchers. Well, the the second. The 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 guys he's going to draft is is SP1s. 
Correct, correct. You know, because we're going to get through 20, uh, uh, 10 through tw- or 11 through 20 today. And then we'll open it up probably like we'll kind of live in that 21 to 50 range with Nick. And we won't cover every single one individually. That, that would take nine hours between the three of us. But uh, that's the range that we're going to focus in on with Nick. Talk about his strategies, how things are evolving, how he's dealing with the 2020 season uh, and everything. It'll be great. I'm excited. But first, Adam Adovino traded to Boston, New York to Boston trade. Hey, man, we need some help with our money. Uh, Chief rival, can you help us? Sure. We don't have any good bullpen players. We will take Adam Adovino. Thank you. And that's kind of how that deal broke down, I imagine. I imagine that's how the calls went. Um, Does he become their closer or does like Matt Barnes or Ryan Brazier still look like the guy? What do you think? I think Matt Barnes is still the guy to open the season, uh, but this easily could be a, uh, a committee to start the season as well with, you know, you know, maybe the hot hand getting it Uh, as much as people talk about like how crappy Matt Barnes, uh, was. And I mean, he was not very good. (laughs) Um, in spite of the fact that he led the team in saves last year, I think that they want to do what they did with Brandon Workman with him, which would be, uh, you know, build up his value as a closer on the trade market and then ship him somewhere. Flip him. Yeah. So I think that Barnes will get a shot to close, uh, to start the year. Uh, that being said, Ottavino should be the next man up, uh, if they are able to trade him or if Barnes falters. Uh, and I think he will be, uh, kind of, I know, I know 2020's numbers aren't very good, uh, but Previous to that, the previous two seasons that he was one of the best relievers in baseball, and I, I fully expect him to be very good uh, in Boston as well. Yeah, Adovino, Adovino's a stud. You know, he did he did struggle a bit this past year, but still twenty nine percent strikeout rate. Um, walks actually came down to eleven percent. It was a three seventy five BABIP that really did him in and kind of tanked the numbers. For Adovino, he'll be 35, but I still I agree with you. I think he'll get back to being quite good, and I think he's going to be drafted in a lot of leagues with the opportunity to probably get some saves. I will in say Boston. he he kind of deserved that BABIP, not maybe not completely, but you look at his zone contact percentage, it went up uh, over four percent, uh, and the exit velocity went up five miles per hour off of Oof. you know, and so. You know, we talk about yeah, we talk about with hitters like you know these guys that smack the ball. You know, they they earn a BABIP that's higher than the norm. No I think, doubt. I think Ottavino earned a BABIP that's higher than the norm. Maybe not three seventy five, but uh, but not his normal. Yeah, not not his normal stuff there, and that's that's worth pointing out. You know, um, yeah, it's the small sample and everything, but that's worth investigating and seeing. Hey, you know. Don't just regress it back unless he gets back on track. Don't don't assume that it's one thousand percent going back to what we're used to, um, unless unless he tightens things up. Hey, Char, kindly shut up. She's very upset about Adam Adovino. Did, did you hear? Could you hear her do that? Yeah, <laughs> that grumble is is a sensor that Henry is within three feet of her. She's so annoying, dude. Like. And it's only on her terms, because if she wants to be near Henry, of course, she's not grumbling like that. But if he's just existing in her general vicinity, she got to make that stupid-ass noise. Understandable. Sure. You're an absolute clown. Just a total clown of a dog. And My, I my wife I makes boy. that same noise when I'm around. You know, it makes sense. Now, that that right there, you just crystallized how much that makes sense. I, I feel you, Char. I feel you. I'm going to start making that noise when anyone's around me. <laughs> Jen might anyway, take that the wrong way. That's true. That's true. It could be, mis- it could be misinterpreted. It could backfire. Could backfire. Um, Cesar Hernandez, back to Cleveland. Solid move. I liked it when they did it last year, re-upping him. I think that's uh, that's a solid move. I don't have too much to, to say to that. Obviously, the the... There's nothing changing in terms of value. I guess the biggest question, though, is um, does this mean Ahmed Rosario might be going to the outfield? I think it does. There are some people on Twitter uh, today talking about Andres Jimenez going down to the minors. And apparently, I haven't been able to find it. 
Um, but apparently a beat writer had speculated that he could start the year in the minors. Uh, I don't know that that makes a lot of sense. He's already gained a full year of service time, uh, you know, having been on the Mets and being up. Yeah, he played for 49 of, of 60 games. Yeah, so I don't know that his clock's already started. I don't know what, uh, and I mean, I don't understand the service time manipulation as well as other people, so I'm sure someone will correct me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I think what makes more sense is either they move Rosario into the outfield or maybe there's a Jose Ramirez trade coming. There, um, there was also a little bit of grumbling about that today. Yeah, and so that, that to... makes a lot more sense considering yeah. Cleveland doesn't want to pay anybody more than $40. Uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Jose Ramirez makes about $47. Um, Oof, that's tough for him. Yeah, so... You're gone with that kind of riches coming in. Well, especially when you, you think about the fact that, you know, maybe the teams that missed out on a guy like uh, DJ LeMahieu wants a guy like uh, Jose Ramirez, who has experience playing second and third base. Uh, you know, maybe Toronto would be interested in a deal like that. They've got plenty of outfielders. Uh, that they could trade in in a deal for a guy like Jose Ramirez, uh, so I think that you know, or the Mets, if the, you know the Mets, who uh, definitely could address you know another spot in the infield, uh, and the Indians and the Mets obviously already have a history this year in making deals. I I, I just don't see or uh, I just don't see Jimenez starting in the minors. It does not make much sense to me. Uh, though the Indians, what they're doing in general, doesn't make much sense to me. I was going to say they're not exactly generating a ton of uh, a ton of common sense with what they're doing, tearing apart this otherwise strong team, simply due to the fact that they just don't want to pay anybody. But I would I would love to see a Jose Ramirez deal. That'd be a lot of fun to kind of see you know where he could go, what they would get, and I obviously of course they would get some sort of haul, and they've clearly backfilled enough that if they want to trade him, they're ready, um, and that you know. Maybe that Cesar Hernandez is the biggest indication that, uh, you know what, Ramirez might be gone, and I'm here for it. Let's get it done. I, I'm loving this trade off season. That's been the best part about it. Yeah. That being As said, the- talking about uh, Hernandez, like, I think he's a sneaky good second baseman who's going, I mean, he's going to obviously rise uh, up the ADP with this uh pick but i mean he was currently going in draft champions league since the beginning of the year at 395 yeah he could rise a hundred picks and it wouldn't be a huge problem and i don't even think he'll go up that much no i think he'll probably go up 60 picks and but he's leading off in this indians lineup i fully expect him to score like 80 plus runs uh you know double digit stolen bases double digit uh, home runs, maybe a little less on the stolen bases, considering he didn't even uh, attempt one last year. Didn't but... even try. But nine for eleven the year before, nineteen for twenty-five before that. He's eighteen, uh, eighty, excuse me, for one hundred and fifteen in his career. Um, yeah, like I, I agree that you feel good about that uh, coming through. There have been some some rough years because uh, 80 for 115 actually isn't great. It's just below 70%. You really want to be at like 72%. He had a 17 for 30 year that really kind of weighs him down, but then 15 for 20, 19 for 25, and 9 for 11 for Cesar Hernandez on the bases from 17 through 19. As you mentioned, zero attempts this year. Don't really know why. Um, that's kind of bizarre, but we'll see it may, what happens. It may have been they didn't want him to accidentally run into an out in front of Lindor and Jose Ramirez. True. But if they're not may, there... Or, or he was nicked with something. that yeah. They just didn't want to exacerbate it all because you, you don't know. I, I'm saying it could be that. It could be as simple as don't run in front of those guys, uh, like you said, too. Um, who knows? But that's where he's at. Uh, I think it's a solid move, even if they don't make a trade of, of Ramirez. They have some nice depth up the middle now, but it does look like they are at least talking about moving Ramirez, and so we'll stay tuned on that because, like I said, I'd love to see a trade of Ramirez somewhere. Oh, uh, I, I did actually just got tweeted at by our good friend Scott Jenstad, uh, and there is a, apparently an article in which uh, they uh, Terry Pluto of the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, apparently 
talks about Jimenez uh, potentially, I guess, being uh, starting in uh, AAA because he jumped from AA to the majors. I, I still don't understand what would that would accomplish, uh, especially yeah. when they've jettisoned so much talent uh, out of this lineup. Yeah, that I don't see that. Yeah, I don't. I, that doesn't make any sense. So I, I don't know. Um, we'll keep an eye on that, obviously. But if that's what they're doing, then be careful with your Jimenez shares. That's for sure. All right, starting pitching time. We're back. We're kind of going through these top twenty uh, one by one, and then we'll start to group things up and discuss them as and get through more of them. Like I said on Thursday with Nick. But let's start at eleven. The eleven starting pitcher off the board is Jack Flaherty. Going around pick 31 on average. Did not have a particularly strong season this past year. But the market is saying, you know what? I'm okay with that. Looking at what he's been doing since 2019. 236 and two-thirds innings of a 312 ERA. 101 whip. 30% strikeout rate. I think that's what's really keeping people interested in the 25-year-old Jack Flaherty. What say you, sir? Is this somebody that you're willing to put uh, put in as your top guy? Yeah, I think I would be. I mean, he's definitely not my top choice, and I need to do a, a rerun of my rankings. Uh, yes, 2020 was a not a particularly good season for him. That being said, uh, he did have a 342 xFIP, so maybe he, you know, and a 411 FIP, so maybe the the 491 ERA isn't indicative of how he pitched. He also was part of that Cardinals team that had to play 11 double headers because of, uh, you know, missing, missing so many games due to COVID. So I kind of give him a little bit of a pass. Uh, you know, there is a little bit of concern with the, the walk rate regressing back to where it was previous to 2019 and the home run rate uh, regressing as well. So there is some risk here, but I feel pretty comfortable about him as an SP1. The question is, like, I just don't know if I'm willing to take him necessarily where he's going, Mm -hmm. uh, which has been kind of, I believe, middle of the second round or even early second round. And as we start to see, oh, I guess his his ADP this, uh, you know, since the beginning of the year is is 29. So it's back end of the first round. I mean, he's like going, he's sandwiched in between three other starters and Max Scherzer, Brandon Woodruff, and Clayton Kershaw, all going within two picks of each other. It's a tight group there. Uh, And I definitely like Flaherty, but I can make the argument for all three of those guys. So I I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad on the price. Uh, but I, I definitely believe he's going to bounce back and probably put up a, a mid-threes ERA with a ton of strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, that seems that seems pretty fair to think that, uh, you know, that that's going to be about where, where he's at. I was looking at all the, uh, all the drafts since the first, and he's at pick 31, but just looking at draft champions does keep him in that 29 range. And, and with Brandon Woodruff, and, um, you know, like I said, we talked about Scherzer at 10. So you got all three of those guys at the same pick. Who is your number one between those three? Scherzer, Flaherty, Woodruff. I think it's Woodruff. Um, but I also think it's, uh, I think you're kind of splitting hairs between Woodruff, Flaherty, and Scherzer. And I think you can really throw Kershaw on that. And so uh, typically... I'm passing on all those guys in the second round because I have been drafting kind of in the middle. And then I'm grabbing whoever makes it back to me in the third. Maybe we'll get to said player in this uh, in this particular discussion. Let's talk Woodruff in a bit more detail. Um, damn near the same ADP as Flaherty. Uh, 29.26 to 29.32. It's really a toss up there. There's been 19 drafts. Draft champion drafts since the first of the year, and these guys are obviously going right by each other here. I love Brandon Woodruff coming in uh, off the breakout 19. He did nothing to you know deter anybody who enjoyed that season. Now you're looking at 195 and a third inning since the start of 19, with a 3.41 ERA, 109 WHIP, 30% strikeout, 6% walk. He's been a monster. 
and I, I expect him to continue to be. Obviously, you know, with with the shortened season and the fact that he was only able to throw 122 innings in 2019 because the oblique shut him down, I think there will be some uh, concerns about his innings, but I don't share those concerns. I think they're going to be ready to give him a buck 80 plus. Um, I think he's he's the kind of guy who can, who goes deep into games, and he's going to be ready for it. You know, I think the I think they they're on record as saying actually that they might give about a hundred more to everybody. So that'd be that'd be one hundred seventy three and two thirds, just under one eighty. But I think that would still put Brandon Woodruff among among the innings leaders this year. I don't know that we're going to get too many two hundred guys. So I'm still buying in on Woodruff very easily, even as the price has has risen since I really liked him uh, pre-2019. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I buy uh, what he's done over the last two seasons, and, uh, I mean, his underlying statistics are right in line with what he's kind of done. So, I mean, I think you're going to have a boatload of strikeouts. I, too, am not as worried about uh, his innings getting limited. I don't think he's a 200-inning guy, but like you said, I don't know that they're going to be a lot of 200 in guys, uh, but I, I love the strikeouts. He does not walk guys uh, as much as other, you know, starters in this area. The home run rate he's been able to keep, uh, you know, somewhat at bay considering he, you know, pitches in Miller Park. Uh, love the fact that uh, the walks didn't increase uh, while the zone contact rate uh, did decrease. Uh, you know, doesn't give up a crap ton of hard contact. I mean, I think the biggest concern is what his innings workload is going to be, but the the Brewers have said that they're going to jump guys uh, probably about 100 innings yeah, uh, from where they saying. were. And, I mean, that pretty much puts them at 175. So, And if they're I'll in a playoff it. run, you know, they'll push that too. So uh, I, I love Brandon Woodruff. He's, he's a guy that I have uh, been targeting in the second and third rounds and will continue to do that. Yep, I'm, I'm glad we get Woodruff there. I like uh... – like everything about him, really. Uh, Quentin Kershaw, I also like too. You know, it's kind of the not forgotten stud. That's that overstates it a little bit. But I mean, the fact that he's still available at thirteen. I know he's getting older, and you know he's got the uh, the the back issue that have has limited innings. But he's just never bad, literally never. And so you know, I think that's why the market stays invested, even as there is some you know detractors out there that are a little bit more concerned about him i don't share any of those concerns yeah he's, he's 33 but uh, i'm gonna invest with with kershaw kind of until i i see any reason not to i guess i think a lot of it is trying to be get rid of the hot potato before it burns you and you'd rather be a year early than a year late but some people are like three years early like they haven't been investing in him in the last couple of seasons and they're just missing out on amazing innings and you know if he only gets 158 this year because they only give him 100 plus not that the Dodgers have said that they're going to do the same thing but i think that's about where teams are going to be is you know probably adding 100 to the guys that have have been able to do things i'll take that because that's kind of in line you know he had 161 back in 2018 and he was still elite and again i want the elite innings that Kershaw delivers i'll gladly take him if i don't get Woodruff. I do favor Woodruff, Kershaw, and probably Scherzer over Flaherty. I don't know why I don't love Flaherty, man. I just I just don't. But yeah, Woodruff and Kershaw for sure uh, I would take here um, over Flaherty. What do you think about Kershaw? I uh, absolutely love him. In the draft champions that you and I have been doing, he was my ace in the third round. Uh, and then I paired him with uh, Corbin Burns uh, in the fourth. And I feel good about the safety of Kershaw with the upside of Corbin Burns. Uh, and beginning to Burns shortly, too. Yeah, I mean, he has one season with a three ERA or greater since 2008, since his rookie season. And that one season was 2019 when it was a 303 ERA. Gross. I mean, can't, and... Like, can't deal with that. He has only had... Oh, let's see. He hasn't had a whip above 104 since 2010. He consistently delivers, you know, 28, 26%, you know, and sometimes even 30% strikeout rates. Yeah, I get that the injuries are a concern, but even when he does miss time, 
he's still one of the best pitchers in baseball. Then the thing of it is, too, you look at the, the 10 guys we're talking about today, since the start of 19, he has the second most innings behind only Lance Lynn, who we'll get to in just a bit. So, you know, maybe even the innings are a bit overblown uh, in terms of, you know, him falling short because he's living in those high 20s counts of 27 starts, 26, 28, obviously 10 this past year for Kershaw. But, um, yeah, I, I just I really believe in, in what he's able to do. And it's easy to do so. I just don't see a reason to try to to try to time this market and feel like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get out early. I'm like, OK, I, I guess. But you're, you're buying riskier players around him. I really I really think that's the case. But some folks are favoring like the next couple guys. Um, I think based based on youth um, expressly over over Kershaw. Let's start with the first one. Zach Gallon, who goes a few picks later at 38 on average, uh, did nothing to deter the folks who really loved him coming into 20. Um, did nothing to, you know, he, he lived up to the the he was a wide awake sleeper. He was not sleeping anywhere, but he was like everyone's little chic pick. And he panned out, though. He was awesome. And he certainly looks looks the part. He has a 278 ERA, 117 whip combo with the 29% strikeout rate as a major leaguer. Um, you know, deep arsenal can get it done in Arizona. Um, I think he is a bona fide stud here. We've only seen him max out with 80 innings pitched in the majors. You know, he had a half season in 2019, and then of course two months here. We, I guess, I guess you could say we we don't know how deep he can go because we haven't seen it. I'm not sure. I have many questions that about him putting up, you know, 175 innings this year, though. I think that's perfectly reasonable for the 25 year old gallon, and uh, he should be drafted quite highly as he is. Do you like him at this 14 spot? I do. Uh, I, I'm a big Zach Gallon believer. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic pretty much his entire career. Uh, but really, since he came over to Arizona, uh, and it's, uh, I think he is a guy that, while there isn't a long track record, he offers uh, some nice ceiling mixed with some good floor. Uh, I apologize if you guys can hear it. Apparently, uh, our boy oh, Kyle Gibson heard that he, uh, we were doing a starting pitching uh, episode and decided to fly out to California as opposed to just drive over to Austin where you live. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, apparently he, he's doing some yard work this morning. So it's been, been a little it. while that, since our boy, uh, Gibson showed up to do some yard work, but, um, <laughs> so welcome Kyle. Yeah. I apologize for that. It's uh, okay. It's okay. It used to be like literally in, it's like so close at my old apartment. It was so annoying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Gallon, somebody you're definitely considering there in that third round when, when you're For usually sure. getting your first pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's hard not to. I mean, he's he everything's there, right? Like what what question mark could you really have other than the one I said about how eighty's been his max major league innings? I don't even know that there's like that much validity to to having that as a concern, though. It's not like he's been held out or anything. It's simply been he started his career in the middle of 19 and then got dealt a pandemic season right after. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm big on him. Now you didn't get the opportunity to get him in the draft champions in the third round. He went a couple picks before your Kershaw pick. And so that's why he ended up with Kershaw over him. And then my guy came after that. We actually took them in the order that they were draft. Oh no, no, never mind. It would have been Gallon Kershaw. Uh, anyway, but I took Snell a few picks later. Blake Snell, pick forty-four, is where he's going. He's my ace in our in our draft here. I took him with the eleventh pick in the third round. I'm obviously perfectly bought in on on where he's at here with the with his price. Listen. I don't know that his innings are going to skyrocket in San Diego. I really don't think that they necessarily are. They don't need to, though, to make an impactful difference. I think if he just gets, you know, the extra inning in a start here and there, that's going to add up to, you know, 15 to 20 extra innings. And that can make that can be a meaningful difference, particularly with his strikeout rate. Now, part of it is his own efficiency, though, too. And, and yeah, I think he would admit this himself. He, he knows that it wasn't just Tampa Bay saying, like, you have to come out every fifth inning, 
you know, even if you're on 40 pitches. No, they, obviously they would have kept him in. A lot of times he was building up counts that, that made it make sense to go ahead and cap it at five. Obviously, we know the big uh, the big World Series game. That was the big difference there was that he had been efficient and he was looking particularly sharp. But uh, we've seen him be elite. 2018 Cy Young. Um, he certainly hasn't been bad since then. Even with the 429 in 2019, you're still talking about a uh, 396, 125 ERA whip combo since the start of 2019 with a 33% strikeout rate. He's striking out one in three batters, and that's what makes Snell so impressive. Uh, even as the ratios aren't quite as elite. How do you feel about Snell as a third-round guy um, and going at pitcher 15? I don't necessarily have an issue with it. Uh, I mean, I think he got a little bit unlucky in the home run department uh, in in 2020. Uh, You know, if you look at his X stats, his X home runs was about like 12 or 12 and a half, uh, and he ended up giving up 15. So uh, that... I think that'll normalize a little bit coming into 2021. I like the fact that he's now pitching in the National League where hitters have never seen him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there are some decent pitching parks in the uh, the National League West. Uh, so it's nice to kind of get out of that beast east with some bad part, you know, road parks uh, that he was going to see. Uh, and no get, doubt. You know, I mean, outside of Colorado. The other four parks typically either play neutral or, uh, you know, you know, kind of lean towards the pitcher. So, uh, I, I do like that uh, for Snell. I don't, I don't end up with him very much. Uh, you know, I kind of prefer a few guys going after him that we're going to talk about uh, this episode, and so he ends up not on my team. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily have a problem with taking him if those other if you know he slips behind those other guys in drafts, which I have seen happen. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, there is some jumbling of of some of these guys around here that you can kind of end up with one in one draft and somebody four or five pitchers away in another draft. It just kind of depends the room that you're in. Uh, there is enough. We talked about the ADPs that are like right by each other that can lead to some jumbling there. Um, I think, he- but I'll. I'll I was happy to get him there as my ace. I think pick or you know the starting pitcher fifteen, kind of represents the beginning of this you know the next tier of starting pitchers. So yeah. if the you know the kind of big three or big two is the first tier, and then you've got you know either Bieber through Gallon uh, as kind of the second tier, I think the third tier is you know pitcher fifteen through probably starting pitcher 22 or 23. I think that's fair. And I think that a lot of those guys can be kind of interchanged. And uh, I don't have a problem if people are going to push certain guys up or certain guys down, depending on their preference. Uh, and so to I that mean, end, Snell Maeda glass now, 44, 45, 46. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've got Snell kind of towards the bottom of my... Uh, of that tier, uh, but the, I mean the difference between Blake Snell and Lance Lynn or Corbin Burns or Carlos Carrasco to me is pretty small, and I'd be happy if if I went hitter hitter and I got one of those guys in the third or fourth, I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah, I really I really don't feel uh, bad with whomever I get in this grouping here. In fact, the rest of the pitchers that we talk about right now could take that spot from Snell and I'd be happy. Like if, if those were the guys I ended up with, I mentioned Maeda and glass now are next. Kenta Maeda now 45th overall on average, the 16th pitcher, big move for him getting a lot of love in Minnesota. The big thing that folks were excited for about him going to Minnesota is that they wouldn't take the reins off late in the season. Well, we didn't get a normal season to see that. Yes, he did pitch the, the full year, but like, we did, we got to see where they're gonna what they're gonna do in like in August and September. I think they are going to. I, I'm I'm among those who thinks that they are going to let him go way more than the the Dodgers would. Partly because they can't really afford to take him out and put him in the bullpen and put in a comparable guy the way the Dodgers were. I just don't think the Twins have enough starting pitching there. Yes, he has contract incentives, but they're not so cost prohibitive that leaving him in. Uh, is going to you know bankrupt the Twins, and so I think they are going to give him the, the the full season here, and I'm, I'm I for one am pretty excited about it. 
I think even if he only adds, you know, say 100, 110 innings, uh, he still has a chance to set a career high in innings. Um, he would have to add 110 to get there because he does have 175 and two-thirds in his rookie season back in 2016. But since then, it's been 134, 125, 153, and then 66 and two-thirds this year. I think he is going to be in the high 160s uh, to, to mid-170s, uh, which will be, again, uh, I believe, among you know the top 10, 15 innings counts this year. I'm excited about my idea. Yes, he's not going to get just central teams this year. I think that's what made him a 270.75 guy, and obviously I'm not expecting that. But give me 340, 110, and I'm – perfectly happy with Kenta Maeda. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some people who are concerned about Maeda uh, that we saw kind of the uh, the velocity dip, so, you know, kind of towards the end of the season, and he wasn't quite as sharp. I mean, who knows what it would have looked like over the course of a full year. And, you know, one of the things we talk about often is, you know, these guys didn't, uh, you know, get a chance to, you know, ramp up properly. And we also don't know what a lot of them were doing during the time off. Like, they may have been throwing simulated games and and doing things to keep their arm in shape where, you know, it was a more typical workload uh, or closer to a workload that they normally would have faced. I, I like my eight a lot. I have him right around this spot in my ranks, right around pitcher 15, pitcher 16, would be totally fine getting him in the third round. Uh, I would likely want to pair another one of these guys we're going to talk about later if I did, uh, if he was my SP1. Um, but I, I don't have many concerns. I think one of the issues, you know, with people saying, well, they may limit him the way the Dodgers did, the Dodgers had a ton of depth in their rotation and their bullpen that Minnesota does not have at all. No, that's, that's why I don't really... I don't, like, I don't really are they really, are they really gonna, gonna if they're gonna limit him are they really gonna like pitch Devin Smeltzer more like it it doesn't make all you know and I hope Smeltzer isn't listening I know he's a big fan of the show uh, but he's no Kenta Maeda and this is a team that is gonna face some really stiff competition against the White Sox uh, for a playoff spot and there are too many other good teams in the West and the East for them to you know aim for just a wild card. I think they have to try to win this division. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to need Kenta Maeda to go deep in the season and deep into games to do that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And that that's one of the main reasons that I just don't see them uh, sidelining him in any meaningful way uh, and putting him in the bullpen there. The, the, the simple fact is they just don't have that luxury. It's a luxury that w- the uh, Dodgers were afforded, and good for them, but no, I, I don't see it here in Minnesota, so I'll be fine taking him um, and, and letting him lead my staff. You know, you get into the question mark w- with with that. People are worried about his innings. I'm more concerned about the the innings of the next guy, the guy who is still with Tampa Bay, Tyler Glass now, uh, going at 46. Now, I will say between the two, they seem to let him go more than more than Snell. And I know that was kind of interesting to me because, you know, he is a bona fide two-pitch guy that you would think would start to struggle more as he, he goes through the lineup with only two pitches to work with, whereas Snell does have, have a deeper arsenal. They both can have walk issues at times, so it's not like, uh, you know, Glass now is Mr. Efficient. Um, so I did find that kind of interesting. I love what Glass now can do when he's on, but... I think only having fastball curveball to really rely on limits, you know, what he can do and, and leaves him prone to, in this case, home run issues that, uh, that elevated his ERA to 408 and it not the first time he's had home run issues. So you look at his, his two uh, last seasons here, similar samples, 16, two thirds, 57 and a third with Tampa Bay 0.6 Homer and 1.7, which one's the real glass now. Does he have a home run issue? Was he unlucky? Was he uh, more more lucky in 2019? Where do you come out on on 27 year old Tyler Glass now? Is it time for him to turn the corner? Because I mean, you talk about guys who haven't really shown much relative to where they're going. Dude has a career high of 111 and two thirds. Market loves him. It's the raw talent. What say you? 
I'm kind of in between. I I, I believe that the raw talent uh, is there and in, in you know and and speaks to where the upside could be. I think the strike. I think he's going to power up a bunch of strikeouts. I don't know that he gets over 150 innings uh, or 160 innings this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being in Tampa Bay, uh, his injury history. Um, that being said, I think it's going to be a very good 150, 160 innings. Uh, you know, the homers are a bit concerning. He did get a little unlucky, but you know, I mean, of the 20 home runs he gave up, you know, his X home runs were like 18.5. So he didn't get that unlucky. Like he just sometimes, you know, can't control things and leave shit in the zone. Yep. Uh, that's going to get pounded. And, and the two pitch thing is a concern. I'd really like to see him. You know, if he was one of those guys that ended up on uh, Colette's uh, new pitch tracker, uh, I Oof, would be really, be really excited. Um, so I, I do think the home runs come down a little bit, uh, but I think the walks will continue to uh, sometimes plague him, depending on you know what his feel is in game. I think he's probably a mid threes ERA guy with a boatload of strikeouts and. Uh, my preference is if I'm going to take a guy like Glass now that I pair him with maybe kind of a boring safe guy. Yeah. So like I think a, that's a Glass fair. now Hendricks. Glass now Lance Lynn would would be a good mm-hmm. one two punch I think as well. So I could I could find myself really happy with something like that. Yeah, me too. Um, so I'm not avoiding him, but he is lower in my ranks than uh, he is going in ADP, and so I don't know that I'm going to end up with him a lot. Yeah, I actually put him in nine in my first run. Pretty oh, wow. aggressive there. Uh, he's at nineteen right now. that's more like where I'm. Yeah, I, I, I had him at nine before any. I mean, this is months ago now, and just looking through everything, I, I've I've come back to earth and like, okay, chill out, Paul. That's way too aggressive. Um, you know, it's it's maybe because he's just so good looking. I was I was mesmerized by the uh, fact that's that. That's fair. That, unfairly good looking if you ask me I'm just just gonna put it out there it's ridiculous (laughs) Uh, you don't get to be that good at something and that good one or the other dude horseshit speaking of Lance Lynn he goes nine picks later so there's a lot of scenarios where you could get both and I do think that's a really strong combo especially if you open up say you know speedier guy like if you go Turner Harper and then you go glass now Lynn I'm, I think I'm feel pretty good yeah, about where you're at. Four, I'm four picks in. If that is my my start, I'm absolutely yeah. stoked. I, I love Lance Lynn. I've taken him as early as the third round. He's a uh, monster. He's legit. And yeah, I don't think that that third round pick I used on him was a draft. It was my first draft back in October, uh, and I started. I believe I started Soto, Mondesi, Lynn, Maeda. That's what I'm talking about. And Maeda like, kind of fills in for Glass now in the same sort of, you know, not 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 a direct one-to-one, but, you know, the innings concerns that we talked about, even though we don't believe that they're super crazy. But I love that start there. And Lynn is such a workhorse, and now he goes to Chicago, don't forget. Yeah, and, I mean, the concerning part about going to Chicago is the home runs, which popped up last year, uh, mm-hmm. may pop up again, being in a, a much worse park for for pitchers um yeah and so i think there is a little bit of risk at maybe the era and we saw like the era indicators not support the 332 era though i mean if you take out his last start in which he gave up uh three home runs we're talking about a much different uh bottom line we're talking about a guy with a 253 era instead of a 332 era uh, exactly. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not looking at this. Um, I'm. I'm not too worried. Uh, if I'm putting my ERA expectations, even I'm just putting them at the 3.32 that he ended up with, I'm still fine with that. I'm. I'm actually the, fine if you put him at 3.50. Yeah, like, 3.50 with like a 115, 120 whip, but for the volume. And the, and the strikeouts now have really jumped up 28 and 26% the last two years. And that's over 292 innings of work there. Um, like you said, home runs did pop up. 
I don't think they're a massive issue, though. And if he keeps the walk rate in check, which he has the last two years, they're not going to be as damaging. Um, and so I think, hey, a little bit higher on the ERA, but the high volume, quality whip, bunch of strikeouts, good strikeout rate, and high volume, uh, you can't you can't pass it up. I like Lynn, and I'm I'm really impressed with how he's emerged in his 30s to to kind of jump like two, three levels as a pitcher when he was just kind of that, you know, it was always like an innings eating workhorse type mid tier with the Cardinals, but he really transformed himself and he does it unorthodox relative to baseball as baseball moves away from the fastball. That's his bread and butter. He doesn't quite use it as much as he did with the Cardinals when he was at an 85 and 81% clip for two years running, but uh, he still throws it 68% of the time, which you just we're just not seeing as much of. He did dive into his slider a bit more this year uh, with good results. And so, yeah, I, and I love getting him in the central there. He's still going you know, to get Tigers, Royals, this Cleveland team looking worse by the day um, if they trade Jose Ramirez, of course. So that's going to be three squads within his own division that you have no problem facing. And uh, I'm not worried about him against quality teams either. I like Lancelin. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I I know a lot of people in the industry are starting to fade him, and I'm not. Nope. More for us. Excellent. All right, next up we have Zach Plesak at 57, just behind Lynn. Now, looking at all the guys that we're talking about today, I put them on a uh, 2019 to 2020 leaderboard. And Plesak by... Uh, Sierra is the worst easily with a, with a 458 mark and it's because he, unimpressive skills in his debut in 2019 kind of kind of middling nobody really saw this coming even if you were a police act believer um, you're full of crap if you if you're say if you say that you saw this coming particularly because it, it included a transformation his fastball usage dropped from 51 to 38 percent he dove into his slider in particular slider and changeup both jumped Slider going from 19 to 28% usage, uh, change up from 21 to 25%. And there were huge results, uh, particularly with the slider being his best pitch. And that's what really drove uh, Plesak's breakout. He upped his strikeout rate 10 points to 28%, walked virtually nobody at just 3%. And that cloud that covered a little bit of a home run issue that's been there throughout his major league career now at 1.4. Uh, he was at 1.3 this year. I think that's the one concern that I have. And, you know, the track record's a little thin, particularly on high quality. He has 55 great innings. I'll take the next guy for sure, Corbin Burns, the last guy we're going to talk about today, and probably a few others. I, I'm I, I'm not out on Zach Plesak. In fact, I, I, wrote up, I wrote him up pretty nicely, but I got him at 23 among my starters. So I'm a little bit lower than the market, meaning I might not get him so often. Yeah, and in that uh, Battle of the Podcast drafts that I did, uh, he went in the third round, like beginning of the third round, I'm pretty sure, too. So, uh, yeah, it would have been kind of near the, the top of the third round. So, wow. Uh, and, I mean, pitching got moved way up in that draft, way more so than it, it has probably what it's going to look like in NFBC drafts come March, because that's usually when the pitching gets pushed up. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can't I can't rationalize taking him in the third round, and I can't rationalize taking him over Corbin Burns, or mm-hmm. Lance Lynn, uh, or Carlos Carrasco. I think he belongs in the Max Freed, Sonny Gray, uh, Hyunjin Ryu area. Um, I do believe in some of his gains. Obviously, I don't think he is going to be a guy that repeats a sub-3 ERA. I think he's probably more of a mid-3s ERA guy that um, is a pretty... Uh, you know, decent whip asset, you yes. know, and uh, I think the strikeouts for the most part will stick around. Maybe they drop just under a strikeout inning. He had six total walks last year. It was insane, dude. His control and command are unbelievable, and I do think that that maybe isn't being measured uh, in uh, in uh, properly in his projections because his and the projections with, hate him. That's with the second, like that's with. He's commanding secondary stuff, not not just piping fastballs. That's the slider and changeup in there, and and he's doing a good job with it. Yeah, I think uh, the the projections. I mean, they kind of hate him. Like they're they're really looking at that Sierra. I think, um, and they're ranging from four nineteen to four sixty eight. 
with uh, 121 to 132 whip, depending on where you look. I think he is going to be more of a whip asset. I think he'll have a sub four. I like Pusak for a sub four ERA um, because I believe, I think there were enough tangible gains, even in just 55 innings, there was, there was enough change in the profile that I don't just revert him back to 19 unless you think he's going to go back to that arsenal. So I think putting too much stock, and this is where I think the the blunt force of projections loses the nuance needed uh, to understand a change in a pitcher here. And that's why I always, it, it, insofar as I trust projections, I trust them more for hitters than pitchers. And, and this is a beautiful example as to why. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, I completely agree with that. And I think that, uh, you know, and shout out to Dave McDonald and um, uh, Jake uh, from the High Stakes, uh, High Stakes Heat podcast. I uh, I did a podcast last night with them on the Draft Champions pod uh, and, um, and and really pushed them on Police Hack. And uh, so definitely go listen to that one. Uh, where we were talking a lot about kind of this battle, the uh, the the pods draft where they took him, you know, near the beginning of the third round. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, you know, I, I think that part of the issue too is like these, you know, premier control and command command and control guys, they get devalued in in projections, you know, in the same way like Kyle Hendricks has always been devalued in projections. And he always consistently beats them. And I think Plesak could be one of those guys. The difference is he doesn't have the track record that makes me feel comfortable that he will beat those. I feel like he can, not that he will. And if you're taking him in the third round or even the fourth round, I think you're saying he he will beat those projections as opposed to he can. And uh, I'm not there yet. And so, yeah, he's outside of my top... 20 and maybe outside of my top 25 but i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna beat anybody up if if they believe in zach please yeah yeah i think that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at with regards to zach please here and uh you know i think he's a good investment by the way uh, i assume you have uh, an hq forecaster and it's on not... the way oh okay great uh few few things Bring as much joy to me as when I turn to the exact page of the player I'm looking for, and I just and I just pulled one off on the pod, dude. I just pulled a, a flip right to Zach Pleissack here because I just want to see what they do, because I think they do a little bit more hand tweaking on their projections to account for some changes like a Pleissack, and they got a 350-115 ERA WHIP combo for him, and I think that is more in line. I think that's them understanding that his 19 was one player and his 20 was another. And even though the 20 was only 55 innings, that should get a decent bit of weight relative to what you might normally do in a situation like that with police. But that's enough on him. Um, I'm currently on the clock in this NFBC 50. Um, Oh, with your first pick. Yeah. At 12, pick 12 and 13 uh, here. And, and, where are you going? I think I'm going to go Story Freeman. I like that. That's a hell of a combo right there. Two and guys I don't know. I don't think I've got yet this draft season. I took Story at 11 in ours, so mm-hmm. and that's right in that right in that round. And it's a 12-teamer, so I feel more comfortable about the potential guys who might come around to me pitching-wise. Pitching get yep. a, maybe get a couple guys in this area uh, I like that it. we're talking, we've been talking about today. So I'm, I'm, I'm going Story Freeman and... Hoping for uh, hoping for the best. That's a fantastic combo Jay, there. What, Jose Ramirez went first in this draft. Excuse me? He went first overall in this draft. Love Jose Ramirez, but that is not a good idea. I yeah, I um, I don't like that. that is that just I, hoping for a trade? I, I I do not know, I guess. But I mean, is there any guarantee that wherever he goes they're gonna let him run the way he runs Absolutely in Cleveland? Not. No, I have no idea. I, I don't know. Like I I love Ramirez. I, I don't. I don't like that move, though. I don't think. I don't think that the number one pick is as wide open as people think. I really think you should still be taking bets or Trout personally, Acuna. And then I think you uh, can make the argument for about six guys, or maybe even seven uh, guys. But I don't think that Jose Ramirez is one of those guys. I think you, you can make the argument for Turner. I think you can make the argument for Tatis. I think you can make the argument for the top two pitchers, depending on where you have them ranked. 
uh, obviously Trout, Soto, uh, Betts, um, Acuna. I think you make arguments for all those guys, but this is why I want to draft seventh or eighth. Like I don't want to draft. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to draft first. I don't know, man. Yeah, there's probably more more players than I thought that you can make the case for. I guess I would say. I don't know. I guess if you can make the case for Tatis, you, you can make the Ramirez case then. Yeah. I mean, this and this is like obviously not every league plays with KDS. Yeah. But if you do play with some version of KDS, there's no reason to draft in the top three or four picks. Just I tend I tend to agree with that. You know, un- unless you really want a starting pitcher and you feel like, hey, this guy's not going, you know, one of these two guys is not going to be there at four or five. Uh, because I know my league, or or, or I, I this is what I believe, like then that's the reason to draft in the top three to five picks. But otherwise, mm-hmm. like I, this is the first draft I did not set my KDS at you know starting with eight and then moving my way out away from the middle of the draft. It was because I wanted to try drafting either at the front of the back and ended up in the back. And see, yeah, and see what happens with it. And finally today, Corbin Burns. We've discussed him. In passing here, comparing him to some of these other guys, let's dive in a bit. Similar story to Plesak in that there was a radical transformation this year. Unlike Plesak, he was devastatingly, Burns was devastatingly bad in 19, almost to a hilarious degree. I mean, you know, I doubt he was laughing when he gave up an 882 ERA, but when you look at how it came about, it's kind of funny. 49 innings with a 12-9 Hits per nine and 3.1 homers for nine, dude. He still had a 30% strikeout rate and um, 9% walk rate, though. Like, the core skills were still there. Just this obscene home run rate. 39% homer to fly ball rate. 11 is average. 10-11 is average. Like, 39%. Are you kidding me? Even for 49 innings. It's just obscene. All you really need to know, 355 Sierra in 2019. That that's That's the beauty of a stat like that helping you understand the kind of skills that were here. Now, it wasn't just going to happen that uh, that he was going to perfectly turn himself into what he did in 2020. He made major alter- alterations. He followed the trend of the league, getting away from the fastball, dropping it 20 points, Justin, from 57 to 37% usage, incorporating a cutter um, more or less in place of his slider. And, and it's a 93-mile-an-hour cutter that he used 31% of the time. Had kind of devastating break, though. I bet there's some sliders, like, mixed in there. It's kind of a hybrid pitch there between the two that he can dial up and down speed-wise. Added a new 11% usage changeup as well and was a beast. He was absolutely awesome. All of his pitches were positive. Pitch value, uh, 211 ERA, 102 whip. For Corbin Burns and 37% strikeout rate now. Home run rate, only 0.3 with a 5% homer to fly ball. So he went completely to the other end. He'll probably bump up a little bit there next year, but nothing that has me gravely concerned. Throw 100 innings on top of what he's got. That's a buck 60. I'm taking that all day in 2021. How do you feel about Corbin Burns? Super stoked. I mean, every time someone posts a leaderboard, uh, you know, if you follow Ryan Bloomfield on Twitter, which you should be doing, and he po- posts one of his Absolutely. Bloom boards, like Corbin Burns is there. I mean, the biggest concern for me with Corbin Burns is what his innings workload is going to be. Uh, he's likely only going to get that 100-inning jump, which means he's he's probably capped out at 160. I'm still fine with that. You know, you're going to pair him with an uh, innings eater, a guy who uh, you feel more comfortable about, you know, having a really safe floor. Uh, I paired him with Kershaw in that draft you and I are doing. I feel really, really good about my rotation uh, with Kershaw and Burns. But I'd, I'd pair him with, you know, for instance, in this draft I just started, you know, if we come around to the the 3-4 turn and it's a 12-teamer, so we're, we're talking about, you know, picks, I don't know, what is that, 48, 49? Is that so? Mm. Or uh, I don't know. That might not be right. I, I your third your third four is gonna be that's gonna be higher than that. So thirty six, thirty seven. No. Yeah, that sounds that sounds more like it. Um, I, I might just take Burns right there and then pair him with a guy like uh, Gallon or a guy like Maeda and feel pretty good about that. 
um, if that's my three four turn. So I, I think there's I think the sky's the limit, you know, outside of you know talking about that innings cap. But I think it's going to be a really really good 160 innings. Yeah, I, I agree with that, um, and I'm really excited about it. And I think Corbin Burns is going to be a monster. And like I said, even with just adding the 100 innings, totally fine by me. I, I, I think it's gonna I think it's really gonna work out. Um, it's hard not to buy what he did here, and he's really smart about what he did too, like with his pitch development and everything. And I, I like. I like guys, you know, sometimes you actually get guys that are kind of like, I don't really know what happened. I'm just good. And and those always feel scary a little bit. Like, okay, well, you do have raw talent, and that's fantastic. But you can tell they don't quite get what's going on. Um, and that's all right. You know, I know there's like the, the, the meathead stereotype, and there's a lot of great athletes who are meatheads, and they're just naturally gifted. And I'm not here to, to crap on them, to be honest. I, I'm really more to prop up the guy's who do think about it and can get that little extra. And Corbin Burns is definitely in that. Hearing him talk about his 2020 transformation is really impressive and understanding like tunneling and things of that nature and how his spin plays off one another with his pitches. That is great to hear. And so he's instilled a lot of confidence in me with um, with regards to ranking him higher and putting him closer to Woodruff. Remember when they were fighting out for the, uh, for the spot there, I was pro Woodruff. Um, but then it was one of those things where it's like, I'm, I'm going to take the winner though. Like Woodruff's my guy. That's who I'm picking. But if Burns happens to win, I'm in on him too. And it wasn't to be fence city. It was because I acknowledged that both pitchers had a lot of talent. So when Burns came around a year later and became a stud, well, now I'm in on both. And, uh, I've actually moved Burns up a decent bit. He opened at 28 on my next list, which will be out soon. He's at 19. Or he's at 18, excuse me, because uh, Glass now is at 19. So I've moved him up quite substantially, uh, and I'm very much in on Corbin Burns. So I'm glad to hear that you share the excitement. All right, well, that's going to do it there for today with the next 10 pitchers. Like I said, we're probably going to cover 21 to 50 range with Nick. It won't be in the same one-by-one uh, it'll be more of us picking the guys that we like, talking about strategy with Nick. We'll get some deep sleepers from him too. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll get we'll get him to talk about some folks that he likes that are going much later because that's his wheelhouse. But Justin, until then, I will I will talk to you later, and I hope you have a wonderful Tuesday. Take it easy. Peace.